Welcome to the KOTP Playbook. This is Burning Strong's new song, Consequence. It'll be coming out on a split with Qualifier later this year on From Within Records and Patient Zero Records in the UK. Florida. Um, and I've been wanting to do a podcast for a minute. Um, I knew I wanted to do it on music. I wanted to integrate hardcore. Um, but I also wanted to kind of focus a little bit on behind the scenes stuff and um, maybe talk with individuals that you might not see all the time on the forefront. You might not see them touring all the time, but the impact that they have on the scene is huge. Um, and something I've been super interested in, especially as I've gotten older, is I might not be able to attend all the shows, but I wanted to make sure I was still active in the scene. And so those people that have inspired me that have kind of taken something like hardcore that's given them something early on in a stage, but then have kind of given something back to their community, whether it's booking shows or doing art or, you know, um, doing audio work, all that stuff is super important to the scene and it makes it run. And so especially in kind of these smaller cities around, um, the U.S., uh, these people and individuals are super important. And so uh, for my first guest, um, I was in, I'm was i bringing on um, not only a huge friend of mine, um, but a huge inspiration to me and a huge inspiration to others. Um, I give you Robert Goodspeed. What's up, bro? Yo, yo. What's up, man? Thanks for the awesome intro. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh I know this is like your first time doing this, so I, I'm excited, like you said, like going forward and giving back and doing all that kind of thing. I, I think my one of my biggest, uh, one of the biggest things I've learned and loved to do over the years is trying to find a way to like be someone's first for something, like to be the first one that books someone's show or the first, you know, one to do like a podcast. So I'm, I'm really excited to you know, give this a shot and, and, and see where this goes. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. And, and, and same thing. Um, uh, that's funny that you like touch on that. Cause I feel like, um, those like people and, and individuals you like, as I was growing up, I didn't really, there wasn't a playbook given on what to do 
like after you're in a band or you know <laughs> especially like in hardcore it was just kind of like you know you had to learn yeah um, just like i mean i, went, I so. had one <laughs> you had one <laughs> i just didn't give it to you <laughs> that's right that's right <laughs> hassle and it's funny because because we've been you know we're going on over a decade of friendship and yeah and yet we really haven't like other than like maybe like some tour chats like we haven't really like dove into really like what inspired you what got you like super into like booking shows and kind of um just all that and so i, I kind of want to yeah i, I want to start with what you're active in currently and then we'll kind of go backwards and we'll start from the beginning. yeah that's cool yeah let's do that um so actively right now um I, I guess I'll start with like what I'm actively writing music for, yeah, like yeah, actively yeah. playing shows in because, yeah. you know, like it's easy to say you're in a band and not really play a show for a year or two, but when the opportunity comes up, you kind of go for it. Absolutely. And, uh, but I guess the stuff that I'm like actively doing and, and, and like really writing for right now is obviously burning strong, a uh, song you just heard. Um, uh, Cradle Grave is, will never die as, as long as I have a say. Um, I don't know if we'll be writing music or and, whatever. And but it, <laughs> what, what, what do you play in both of these? In Burning Strong, you play what? Uh, I play guitar in both of these, okay. yeah. So, and then um, another band that I'm really uh, heavy writing for, uh, I want to try to get a full length done by the end of the year. It's like a goal of mine is this band Glazed Eyes. It's like a indie like 90s alternative style band um that uh i'm just you know obsessed with that style of music <laughs> so i just want to make sure that i i am always listening to it always inspired by it and uh the last band that i'm like really actively doing stuff in is uh my friend's solo project his name is starlin and it's like uh kind of shoegazy just ultimately like a rock band and uh i play bass in that Wait, so wait, 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 what's, what, yeah. what, what's that one called? Called Starlin. His his first name is Starlin. Okay. It's just his solo his solo project. So I don't think I've I don't think I've checked that one out yet. I think I've seen you it play hasn't been like posted live. Yet. Okay. Cool. It hasn't been posted anywhere yet. It's just like we've been we've been jamming since you know kind of late in the quarantine. We played only one or two shows now, so. Um, it's really just like, I mean, it's been a different world. Cause like I've played bass in bands, like I played bass in heat seeker, but right, right. it's a little bit different. Cause like with this band, it's just like, I'm, I'm like, I like really kind of like locked into like how bass and drums work together. I'm like, you know, I've obviously been playing music since, you know, I was 14 or 15, but really like being able to like play with a band where I'm like, my job is to like. I'm mimicking the drummer here. Right. Like that's what I'm like. I'm the rhythm section, and it's like, you know, with hardcore, you always say you're like, oh yeah, whatever bass comes around, like fuck it, like we can get anyone to play bass. But it's really important, like from what I've gathered. Oh, I think especially that that's like something, especially when we're recording and stuff. I mean, we oh, we've, yeah. we've definitely noticed over the years. It's like, man, like if that's not tight, the just the record yeah. falls apart. It just so. doesn't sound. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't like. Uh, it doesn't hit on the right spots or feel feel good rhythmically, so it just makes way more sense to uh, really be in tune with that. And, and without this kind of group, I don't know that I really would have been there 100% yet, but I, I feel like I, I'm really getting it now. True, true. Okay, so so you said you said a bunch of stuff. You, you're you in Burning Strong, Cradle to Grave. Um, that's like kind of like a art, art. Cradle to Grave is like mixed with like some Alabama heads and Pensacola heads, or is it all Pensacola people now? Um, well, uh, Sig moved from 
you know, Alabama forever ago. Okay. Uh, he's pretty much the only one. Other than that, it's me and Mac from Burning Strong, uh, Adam from Mouse at the Palace, uh, Ryan, who was in Heat Seeker, also okay. early Mouse at the Palace. I okay. think you and him kind of alternated in that band. It was kind of like as he went out, you ended up being in. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I never, like I never like got that. to play. I never got to play a show with him. So yeah, it was like right when I was entering. Yeah, uh, he yeah. was like leaving. Um, yeah. So, so you said okay. So so, and I'm definitely gonna ask you some questions that I know the answer to. But for you know, just people that are listening, just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Um, you got Burning Strong, Cradle to Grave, Glazed Eyes, um, and then um, sorry, what Starlin. Was this? Starlin. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. And so um, you touched on like something. Um, so now let's let's go just like back a little bit because um, you kind of brought up how you you started playing music when you were fifteen. Um, are are yeah. you are you originally from Pensacola? Yeah, Pensacola. Okay. Uh, That's so know, beast. Born and raised. Yeah. So awesome. I've <laughs> so like like just the beach is like embedded in your culture. It's funny because like probably until. Only until college or something, I kind of hated the beach. Like I was like, That's I so don't funny. really give a, I don't really give a shit about getting sandy. Yeah, like, I don't like the sand. I, I'm like, let me. I'm just down with the pool. You know, that was kind of <laughs> like my thing. And then like I started working on the beach, and it just really became, like you said, like it really just became kind of like part of like my weekly routine it's just like i gotta incorporate some kind of trip out there okay so. okay so 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 you t you touched on a few things um um you're born and raised in pensacola um what, what was your like first job growing up there oh god uh, i worked at chuck e cheese <laughs> oh that is so sick and, and like what, what how, how old were you then i was the game room attendant i was 16 okay so you had already you know, started so. you had already started playing music at this point kind of I did, yeah. I was. Uh, so, 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 how did how how did you like get how, how did you get involved or intrigued in playing music? Like, what was you know? Would you remember you know that moment that you first picked up a guitar? I okay, I hundred percent did, yeah. Um, and I've told I actually actually ran into the guy That's so who awesome. told me this, and um, so basically, um, you know, as a as a sixth grader, I was. I wasn't really into like a lot of the same stuff that like all the other people were into. Like they were starting getting into drinking and like having like little parties and at stuff. 16? Like really young. No, no, this is like at twelve, bro. Like That's so crazy. Like, yeah, like and so like I, I uh, were you a church? I, I were you a church kid? Were, were your parents not, not really? Not at this point. Okay, not at okay. this point. Later on in life, like a little bit afterwards, I was for a little bit, but. Uh, I just wasn't really as interested in that. And uh, I had a group of friends that, like, you know, I was pretty tight with. And that's what kind of ended up getting me into that. But I mean, the reason, uh, I, the reason I ask is because most kids, it doesn't matter if you're interested in it or not. It's like your parents are, like, making you either sure. be the church kid or not. And so I, I guess exactly. that's kind of what I was asking is, like, were you were you heavily involved in youth group at all? And so, um, well, you, you know, like little bits, like my mom would always get us to, like, volunteer and whatnot because and and even if like i don't follow it or anything like right now it's just like there's little things about it like you know like the homes that we used to volunteer for and the places we used to donate to like i still like i still carry that forward like to this day like i'm 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 really big on giving back and it's kind of what what's kept everything with the music scene so fresh is because it doesn't really mean anything 
to me at this moment about money or anything like that. It's like inspiring the next like group of people because I mean, you, you know, as well as I do, like there's really nothing like seeing someone who doesn't go to shows on regular basis, like go to something and be so fucking stoked about it. And you're just like, I remember that feeling and they get obsessed up. and then they get obsessed and then they're like, yeah, you know, they just, they want, to, they, they want more and they're, they're hungry. Yeah. And I think, I think people, I think like us in particular that live in cities that maybe like the biggest show that we've ever booked, like maybe had like a hundred to 150 kids there. Yeah. You, you know, those moments are like so special and, and, and just, yeah. Like you said, you, you really remember those. So, yeah. And so like, you know, as a, you know, as 30 years old now, like to see like a, a new wave of people. It's just like, that's, that's what I, you know, am like wanted to commit to. It's just like, I was at a point in my life where I just really wanted, um, I just really wanted to like do it like outside of like a financial perspective and just right. do it out of like a holistic and just, and really try to, um, you know, give back to the same thing that kind of like, raised me growing up you know for sure so. for sure and and we'll, we'll we'll dive we'll dive a lot into that but let's let's back, <laughs> let's, let's back up a little bit let's back up so so you're you're 15 years old um what, yeah okay what, yeah let's what, get back what, to that. what so. bands what bands are you listening to what what when yeah when do you fi- first pick up that guitar sure okay so all right um so kind of going back to the not really fitting in so i got into like you know good charlotte that's probably like the first let's like, go band. yes <laughs> It's like the first band where it's like you see them, you see them on TV, you see the music right. video, and you read the lyrics, and they're just very like they're very like anti preppies and like you know all that kind of stuff. Right. And so I I like I really like that, and I was just like I'm, I kind of wanted to be like a rebel at that point. I didn't like wear eyeliner or anything, but I definitely shopped exclusively at Hot Topic, dude, for sure. And absolutely. Uh, so I was like. I, you know, I was like a, a beach goth, you know, like I, okay. I was, <laughs> I, I like wore board shorts to school, but I had like black t-shirts. Very and, similar and so, to you now. Yeah. I mean, pre- yeah, pretty much. Exactly. We're, like we're, it's not much flops with the crop top. <laughs> exactly. I think about that all the time. I'm like, damn, I think I'm not the only person in the world that's ever rocked this specific combo of things. Absolutely. So, a trendsetter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I was into punk then. And, uh, you know, I got advice from different people on, like, what I should listen to. And, like, I, I followed certain people's, like, T-shirts and would download music. And Or, actually, I think at this point, I don't even know if I had internet. I think I uh, I think I bought records. Yeah, so uh, you're, well, you're, you're, you're talking about, like, 2005. You, you know, we're, we're just getting into kind of, like, we're, we're still downloading stuff on yeah, LimeWire yeah. and, and, and kind of really doing that. And for anyone that's, you know, younger than 25 that's listening to this, it's like, uh, to, to, to find music was was just different back then. You, you know, you you really relied on those places like Fye and Hot Topic and kind yeah. of Headbangers Ball and stuff like that, and older siblings wearing T-shirts and stuff like that. So yeah. So so okay. 100%. So so you're listening to Good Charlotte. What 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 else are you like vibing at that point? Are you just get, uh, getting into like Blink One Eight Two and stuff and everything? Just that whole. I mean, t- to be honest, like I really like never got into Blink One Eighty Two. Like they're That's fine. So like I don't. I like them, but. I never like 
Blink One Eighty Two probably tell you a ton of lyrics from them. Blink One Eighty Two is what I listened to in my bedroom because they said fuck, <laughs> and Good Charlotte yeah. is what I was able to listen to like in with the, my yeah, parents. The parents. Yeah, because okay, like fair. my my that's dad fair. and mom like laughed at the lyrics. Like they're like you're <laughs> yeah. you're you're making fun of us. Like this is this is I awesome. know. So. Yeah. Um. So I guess like that point in time, like I got into the Ataris. I got into uh anti-flag the misfits ramones okay so you're really like diving deep like more into like the punk world and like the, the yeah. hot topic punk okay cool. yeah yeah like dropkick murphy's i think one of the first i was just talking to someone about this like one of the first things i ever really got into like outside of all that and like afi and stuff was this uh it was this compilation called uh atticus it's like atticus dragging the lake oh specifically. Yes. and and i i was like actually on the way home from St. Augustine with my wife and we were just like I was just showing her I'm like listen to this this is how I got into it and like the first couple tracks you know you get Hot Water Music, huh, Rice, huh. Dropkick Murphys, Finch like uh, Alkaline Trios later, H2O's on it, Taking Back Sun. so there's a ton of bands like where it's like my initial exposure to it so I, I got like really so, into like that at that time. All, and, and like all those bands I feel like are like uh, um, they like uh, I, guess, I guess you'd call them the the hardcore adjacent in a sense. Like they're it's, yeah, they're yeah, like super definitely. good. Like you, you know transitional bands. That if you're not into it and you start you know really listening to those, it's only natural that you're probably gonna get more into you know the other stuff as well. Yeah, I mean like I went back and listened to some of those songs and like you know I hear I hear uh, thrice right, uh, to right. wake and avenge the dead. And I, at the time, I didn't know what the hell a breakdown was or anything like right, that. So right. like, <laughs> I'm I'm listening back to it, and I've and I've done this before. Like, trust me, I've I've listened to this record probably like you know thirty or forty times since you know like really moving on from it, just to like really revisit those feelings. And uh, um, but like the, like hearing that and like some H two O and like a couple other songs that were on there, and I'm like, okay, so this like even like a small impression of it, I think really like opened my mind to like hardcore in general but really it was like listening to stuff like that that like got me like interested in punk uh, as a whole so true true okay so so yeah those and i'm like remember i'm trying to remember back like those those compilation cds it it's funny because i don't think about i think like, there's 26 songs on it that's so, so it's a really good taste of everything yeah. like i remember just those samplers and stuff like you know the solid state samplers or like yeah. the uh, roadrunner samplers and stuff like that is definitely where you know i was finding a lot of the music that i was going to get into and it's it's funny because you know you look at the compilations that are coming out today and I, I really don't think about that like i don't no i don't look at like the from within comp and 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 think that kids are going to listen to this and then immediately get into hardcore but that is exactly yeah. that's exactly it's what's going to happen and so <laughs> it's it's really cool to kind of see that happen so oh, for sure so yeah. okay so so you're living at hot topic um you're you're wearing your studded belts um with yep. your with your board shorts with, um, the, with the studded bracelets as well so, were, yeah. were you were you a white studded belt guy or were you a black no studded belt? no okay, black yeah, or yeah. checkerboard maybe okay okay for sure yeah. for sure that's what's up <laughs> Yeah, the white the white um, checkerboard guys they just they got into like uh, <laughs> sleeping with sirens and all yeah those exactly yeah okay. so so um okay so so what's do you remember like the first show you attended like obviously like going to Hot Topic you know you, you had to have been intrigued to attend one of these events and one of these band T shirts that you were picking up what's what's the first show that you can remember um I guess 
the first show I can remember, I guess at this point, like, I hadn't really, like, I think when I, I, I first went to a show, I had been playing music for probably two or something years, I think. Uh, the first show I went to, I actually, I think I was at Guitar Center, and one of the guys uh, that was working there, um, he's just like, hey, I think I was, I think at that point, Point in time i was wearing a t-shirt that i think he kind of related to in some way so he okay he punished me about it <laughs> he's like you should come to this show i'm gonna say this place called the hickey diddle which was a um it was a uh like an empty building out in pace so like out in the country and i didn't know any of the bands playing i don't think i could recall a flyer but the guys band was playing when we first walked in and i think my mom had dropped me off with a friend and she gave me her cell phone at that time nice. so because I, I didn't have one at the time so um i walk in the building we're watching the first band and like within like three or four minutes just like a two-piece like right to the head i cover my head and then the guy just like kicks me straight in the dick and i'm just like fuck this like no this way. like yeah so this was like it was you know like it, it was like moshing like instantly and i was so pissed off and i'm just like dude fuck this and I, my mom had just left, so I had to wait for her to get home. So I called home, and I'm like, hey, can you, like, tell mom to come get me or whatever? And uh, So you let, geez, like you were, you were not about it. You were like, I'm, oh, I'm I wasn't out. about it at all. I wasn't about it at all. That's so yeah. funny. Just because, like, I mean, I never really saw moshing. I never really saw, like, I knew, like, what it, what it was. But, like, obviously, like, hardcore dancing, like, no clue. Like, yeah, that was yeah, a, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but that was just kind of, that was probably like one of my first like experiences to it in general. And like, there, I mean, I think, I think, I think after, by you getting like hit, it's totally a different experience than you just like going there, seeing it happen and being like, okay, this is what it's about. But no, you, you got yeah. like the full effect first day of the show. Oh, yeah. like, like a lot of kids that a lot of the new people that we bring around to shows like normies and they, that happens to them. They just never come back. Yeah. And I, uh. I joke, I joke with Sig all the time. I'm like, dude, we need to start kicking these kids' asses because, like, that's the only reason that we stuck around. I think that's so hilarious. We just, okay. got, okay. we just got beat up like our first couple times, and like we saw it, and it was like so normalized that like when you see moshing, like on a regular basis, it's like kind of exciting. Right. But for someone who who isn't used to it and kind of like gets like the the um hippie treatment with it for like you know for lack right. of a better term i think it, it becomes like it's like a little too macho and a little too whatever which is you know i understand where they're coming from but at the same time i'm also like yeah like not to be like an like old head guy but like they have really no idea like the guy like what it used to be like and Absolutely. how it could have been so and um, i think i think a lot of that too is like exemplified like it, it's funny because you know you've definitely like you've you've seen that old guy statement before like oh you got you know even though like our generation like you know it's like you guys don't know what it was like you know back then and, and obviously yeah. like obviously times change and stuff like that but your mentality as a 16 15 year old coming into this like someone swinging their fist around now is like the you, you know at that at that time is such like a maybe like a foreign thing to you and then also just like it, it seems so violent, but then nowadays it's like you can go to a show and you see like this big goofy guy swinging his arms, and it's like as a thirty-year-old, I'm just—it's not intimidating anymore. It's not like uh, uh, not as intimidating as it was. Yeah, when I was yeah. It's for, it's in in like I mean, like a like a 
from like an outsider perspective is it's silly looking and right, right, right. that's why it's it's kind of funny to like that you know pit beef even exists cause like <laughs> exactly. if you just kind of look at it and and those perspectives you're just like i'm really like if you give the most dumbed down ex- like uh explanation of what's going on and present that to someone they would be like okay yeah you're right <laughs> So okay, so, so so your first show is kind of a bust. Um, did your mom end up scooping you from the from the show? Yeah, she got okay. me after a while. I think we did go back in and just kind of like tried to hide out, but you know, in in a way that like as as like annoying at the time as it was, it was still like exciting. I well, I, I wanted to know more. I right, was just like, right. what the fuck is happening? And you know, then you go home and you start like looking up all the videos of like what's going on and. Uh, like different like mosh compilations and 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 shit like that at the time and whatever was around at the time you know like it, like I said I I think I had pretty much just gotten internet at that point so we we brought up we brought up at wish practice uh that the video um the drive by mosh video do you know yeah, what I'm talking yeah. about that, that, yep. oh yeah I just like remember watching that over and over again as a kid yep. so funny yeah so I yeah like up until then I think. I had only, I I saw you know I went, ended up going to a couple shows afterwards there, um, but I didn't really play like I never really played in any bands up until I don't even know I think I was like eighteen or something. Okay, so 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 you really didn't like dive into like your guitar story. What what, what happened with that? Oh yeah, so okay, so I was like I said I was getting into punk and stuff and. And in my on my bus, like I'm not even kidding, on the last day of school, um, me and like a couple kids that rode my bus were like talking about starting a band. I went over to this one dude's house afterwards. He's just like, you know, like I want to sound like casualties, and I never heard them before. So he threw on a record, and we were like listening to it. And he's just like, "Do you play guitar?" I was like, "No, but I'll I'll go learn." And, and <laughs> he's like, he's like this guy. He's like, I'll, I'll sing. Like this guy plays drums. Like. And the guy that plays drums is like this like huge redneck. I I've never I haven't heard from him since this day. I haven't I didn't really hear from either of them since this day until pretty recently when I saw like this uh, uh, potential singer. But uh, so I I went home and I was just like, Dad, I want to play guitar. And he had an acoustic and he's just like, Okay, like here you go. There you go. Like, no, like, no, 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 like, no. <laughs> like I want I want an electric guitar. He goes, No. And I was just like, What? And he, and so basically huh. he was just like, if you, if you really want to, if you really want to play, like you'll learn on this guitar right. and he's like, you'll learn this chord book. And if you, if you learn this chord book, I will, uh, I'll, I'll get you a guitar. You okay. Know? And cool. so, um, sparks, sparks some motivation, man. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there was like 21 chords, like the seventh, the minor version of, of every major chord. And then he would quiz me on it and he would just be like, play me like a G seven. So I would do that. And once he, and then after a week, like he was just like, okay, like you really do care. So let's go, let's go do this. So they bought me a like hundred dollar, like Stratocaster rip off. And uh, yeah, just kind of, then I think I also got like a guitar world magazine at the time. Okay. So I just, I, I was like, kind of like, you know, Game over you know, at that it, point, man. You start getting yeah. those; those start flooding in, and I mean, it's it's just it's just envy and and obsession. Exactly. From so then you start. Well, then you start like they have like a feature section where they have the tabs at the end, true, and it's okay. like a different bands, and so you kind of get into different stuff that way. 
I think at this time, like I was, you know, like as much as I was into punk, but like when I picked up a guitar, like I really started getting into like Van Halen and Metallica and right. Ozzy and shit because I like is obviously like a little bit more interesting on guitar. Yeah, guitar so, music. It's literally, literally yeah, guitar so music. I yeah, so I started getting into all that kind of stuff and uh I think I think uh one of the one of the probably the biggest moments I think that probably like really, really like align me on this path, other than like obviously like meeting those guys, saying to start a band and then never hearing from them again, which I think is really funny. And like I said, I ran into the guy recently, I like hugged him, I'm like, dude, you have no idea like like what this conversation back then did to me. But uh that's so um, that that is really crazy to think about that. Like, I mean, I I feel personally that you probably would have found it and stumbled into it like, it's uh, another yeah. way. Um, yeah. Um, but that's uh, that's a really cool story. That like, you know, the, the there's definitely people along my life that you know have have inspired me to do music and then have dropped out of music. And I'm just like, yeah, this is so crazy. Like, like how how, oh, exactly. how are you the one that inspired me? You know, and so that's that's really neat to kind of see. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, but then like the the next kind of like pivotal moment for me, I think was uh, when the hurricane. It was Hurricane Ivan, right? I think. So, so so how how long <laughs> how long is this in between? Like like you you, uh, you picked up guitar and then Hurricane Ivan comes. What that's two thousand seven or it was the same. So it was two thousand four, I think. Okay. And, uh, okay. So like the summer happened. Um, so so like you're like May, 14, 15. May 2004. I think I was 13. Okay, I think I picked okay. it up at 13. Okay. And then May 2004 um, was when I started picking it up. And then September that year was when Ivan hit. And so really all I had during that time to pass the time, obviously, as someone who does, you know, without TV, without, you know, sports, cell phone, anything like that at the time, I had the guitar. So for for three weeks of no power internet anything like that all i did was just like learn how to play different songs like i had a cd collection i cycled through them and i learned like little things i would like read all the guitar like it was more than just like getting in looking at the pictures like i would sit there and i would like read like little things like about why eddie van halen tunes down like you know what a Floyd Rose was like little things like that. And I just, that's so awesome. Uh, yeah. And so like, like I said, for, it was like three weeks of like intensive training. And I think <laughs> without really that kind of that really like moment of like slowing down and like really focusing on that, I'm like curious where that could have gone too. So that for was sure. another like weird um, defining moment that was like a blessing in disguise. Well, it's like it's, it's like uh, this this quarantine right now. It's like I, I wonder how many prodigies like in the past like year just like you know yeah. appeared out of nowhere. Like the 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 people like you that that are that they, they see like a a period of maybe something that's like not super positive and then turning into into mm -hmm. you, you know something that can actually you know do something with like every other kid your age for three weeks was just, you know, complaining to their parents about not being able to watch yeah, TV and being all able to shit. do anything. Right. And so, and so for you to do that, it's like, I, I remember, um, was it guitar world, the rig rundowns, man, like whenever they would yeah. do like the, the guitar or the cartoon kind of version of the drawn out rig rundown and they'd go through every single part of, 
of you know um james headfield's you know rig it was just like so cool to see the exact stuff that they played on and everything like that so um so so i'm i'm, I'm now kind of as you're saying that i'm remembering kind of like what inspired me to you know start mm-hmm. playing and everything so okay so you're you're 13 14 you're you're you you get this um knockoff you know strat um you're getting into like playing what what's the first real band that you formed and and how far away was that like were you kind of on that trajectory of like you know okay i'm gonna be in a rock band like i'm I'm gonna do this um so when i so going into high school uh, i didn't know anyone at the time like in middle school that played so i just kind of like played with my brother who what, what, picked up drums kind of simultaneously. What, what was the scene? I mean, I guess like I, I didn't start going to shows until ninth grade, like local mm-hmm. hardcore shows. So like, I, yeah. I did, okay. So like, I didn't know that there was a scene in middle school. I, I didn't know if there it was probably active. was, okay, I just, okay. I had no idea about it. If, if anything though, but okay. I, I, I imagine it was, okay. um, but yeah, so I guess, like I said, I was like playing with my brother and like, we would, you know, play cover songs we did i didn't really write music i never it, it took me a while to like really write music like i just i learned other people's songs and that was kind of like my thing but like i said like going into high school that was an, you know another like big thing for me because i i didn't really relate to anyone there because like i was separated from my friends from middle school so i was okay. like kind of in there by myself so my my connection with people was just like do you play guitar? Do you play drums? <laughs> okay, cool. Then, wait, wait. Then so we're, I, then we're cool. I, 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 I guess I missed something. Why didn't you know anyone in high school going from middle school? You, you got rezoned, or, or you, you like? Uh, kind of, yeah. I guess basically the, um, uh, the, my my close group of friends ended up all going to different schools just okay. because of like where we lived in relation to the high school for sure and uh that was basically it i mean i i knew some people but i i like my close close friends so it really like i had to like kind of reassess from there and just kind of you okay. know you start from scratch yeah. but I, it, it kind of worked out in a way because then then i met you know a lot of my like good friends that way um so then i guess like my first my first like real friend that i made at the time was this kid named dylan and uh he was like the total like opposite of me like i was very much like you know i I was like raised in asian household so my mom was like really on me about grades and homework and shit like that and and this dude just could not give less of a fuck like he was just (laughs) like he would come into class like like stoned and he would just be like but he was like so good at guitar and okay. uh, I just I just wanted to play with him, and for some reason, like we just like we hit it off, like even though we were like completely different people. And he's just like, I got this drummer, like we can jam with if uh, if if you're interested, like we can like play some Iron Maiden, um, some Metallica, and I'm like, okay, yeah. So I think right before I went over to this dude's house, like having never met him before, um, the the drummer. We, we were saying like, all right, the two songs we're going to learn before before we go over there, it's going to be two minutes to midnight. <laughs> no, no, it was Ace is High, Ace is High by uh, Iron Maiden. We did two minutes to midnight later. And then uh, Orion by Metallica. Oh, there was yes. No, no words there. Yeah, so that's like, okay, perfect. Do the instrumental. And so we're like, all right, so who gets what solo? And then we, we talked about that. And um, 
So we that's, learned that, them. That's like pretty cool to like your first band you're like covering like Metallica. Yeah. Like, like, and, yeah, like, no, and then talking like... about like trading off the solos. Like, dude, my first band, like we were just like trying <laughs> to get through a, a, a measure like correctly. Yeah, you know? true. Well, so then, so he would always like, he would talk about the drummer and he's just like, he made it sound like the drummer sucked. And then we'd go <laughs> there and the drummer's fucking awesome. And I'm just like, I, I talked to him after. I was like, dude, I thought you said this guy sucked. And he's like, he's so good. Like he did, he like played, he like, he was like dynamic. He like led in, he like swelled into the song. Like how Orion like has, there's a fade in. He like did that like naturally. And I'm like, those are like little cool things that he did. He's like had every fill. Like I thought you said this guy sucked. He's like, no, he doesn't suck. He's just lame. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and so it's this, and it's like my, one of my best friends now, Bradley, who sings in that band, Palafox. Oh, so sick. Um, so sick. So he's a drummer. And so he's like, you know, born so, and raised like eighties hair metal. And so that was kind of like, what's, what's, that was like what's my first Dylan music doing now? at that time. What, what, Dylan, uh, I don't think he really plays. I think for a little bit he was recording. But other than that, um, Man, I that's, think that's such a testament. That's such like a testimony of like, you know, uh, if, if, if you are young and you go with that mindset of that, you're you're not only fucking yourself, but like you're just a dick. And it's like, yeah, the, like to see later on, like Bradley, like, you know, I mean, I, I've met the guy one time, but to, <laughs> to, to, to see kind of what you and him have done with Pal Fox, exactly. it, it just seems so fun. And he seems like, he seems like someone who's like actually enjoys the music that he plays and enjoys what he does. And so that is just so hilarious. And also the fact that he's like multi, like he's like a multi-instrumentalist. Like he like, yep. he, he's really good Plays at guitar, guitar right? Yep. And, yep. and is yep. like a good singer. Like, yeah, like uh, Dylan, you're probably cool, I know, but, but fuck you for saying that. So <laughs> No, it's crazy to think about. Like, there's so many people that like we went to school with that were were gigging earlier than we were. That were um, what, like they were secretly like the best shredders ever, and uh, and, and they're nowhere to be found now. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's sad because like you know it's definitely like I, I I get it, and it's like super important now. Like that aesthetic, like you you have to. You, you know, especially like these these bands that are trying to be like a, a a band band. You know, I know the image is important and everything, but man, it's it's so funny. Like how many how many musicians just don't get placed in the right band? I know, like, like exactly. How, how many it's just like a just matter don't... of like you end up finding the right person. Like you know, you find a solid. If you find if you're a guitarist and you can find a drummer, you're good. Yeah, like you don't really need anything else. If right. you don't have that, you may never turn into anything. Right. That's a really good, that's a really good point. Yeah. 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 You're, you're right. If you can find that like person, man, I feel like you and Mac have, have solidified that model for Pensacola. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, I mean, like, obviously if you lived here, it'd be the same thing. Like, like I said, like growing up, I was able to like jam ideas off with my brother all the time. Like, so, I would, you so know. your brothers, you've got, you got, they're both younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Alex, who's, three years younger and then jake who's seven years younger so alex did did your getting into music kind of spark him getting into music as well yeah i think okay. i think so like he basically like uh wanted to get into it the same way and um but i i think just kind of in general it was like a you know if i'm picking up guitar like he ends up picking up you know drums and For then sure. we, we had like a little family family band and shit and i love that we would yeah, and then Jake came along a little later, and then um, yeah, he he basically kind of picked it up real secretly, and then all of a sudden, like I like 
overheard him playing. I'm like, what the fuck? When did this happen? <laughs> so, yeah. Okay, so 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 you you're jamming with your brother. You're you're kind of trying to find uh some new people that are into music in high school. Um, yeah, and that's Bradley and Dylan. Okay, and cool. so like at that at that point in time, like, I, and I I like specifically remember this this instance. This was like maybe two weeks after, like w- during that same time frame that we jammed. There was a there was a morning announcement, and uh, it was these these guys with long hair. They came on. They're like, "Hey, we're playing at the Daily Grind tonight. You guys should come." And so, like, when I talked to Dylan and Bradley after, they're like, "Yeah, let's go." Obviously, as like a fourteen, fifteen year old, there's you're not doing anything anyway. Like, you're just gonna get dropped off by your parents. So, our parents were nice enough to drop all of us off at the show, which was, you know. It was risky because I was like, you know, I've already been, I'd already experienced like a little bit of the trauma from the last show, but I, I, I was just like, let, let's go. Um, let's you're see, rolling let's with some buds. You, you're, you're, roll, you're exactly. rolling deep. It was a little, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah, you had um, your crew with you, man. And so it's the it's this place called the Daily Grind, and it was a, uh, it was a mini golf course lobby that was turned into a venue. And it only it served it had two food items and it was milkshakes or spiked milkshakes. So obviously we got the regular milkshakes and we would just like hang out, drink milkshakes, and watch the show. Uh, and then one of the first bands that had played um, uh, was this band called I can't I can't remember what they were called at the time. They ended up turning into this band called Anxiety, which was like okay. a like a thrash metal, like cool. it was sounded like Metallica. Um, I knew one of the guys' sisters, and I knew one of the guitar players just from like I used to play roller hockey, and he would play. He, he played in that band too, and I was just like, "What are the odds of this?" And so they're up there, and they're they're kicking ass. And then this the next band, the the morning announcements band comes on, and they uh they were like a prog rock band, so they sounded like Dream Theater. Okay, and sick. they had no vocals other than. They were really fucking good at doing covers. Like they would play like all their instrumental songs, which were insanely, you know, cool as like a guitar player. And then they would like bust out Journey or the, like, and they would sing. And I'm like, dude, this band is like, like legitimately awesome. And then the band that played after them was this like funk band. And like it, it's just that was like the really early like etchings of like what a show was to me it's like you see so many different elements and vibes of stuff but and there's so many people there and it's just like a five dollar show and it was just like all local high school kids playing and it didn't matter like what type of show it was it was just like all sorts of different mixed shit and that that kind of like really inspired me later on in life to like make sure like okay this is how I got into it. Let's make sure that this same kind of thing is happening in the future. Right. Right. And I feel like, uh, I feel, I, I feel like you can get so clouded in that because like your, your perception as like a first time show goer is so much different than now. And, and if you can just be able to replicate that for someone, it's, it's, it's definitely something like you're saying, it's just super special. And, and just to think yeah. back at that. Yep. So, and then Bradley ends up joining Anxiety at that time, so like we would always still go to to the shows. And um, the venue closes ultimately. I can't remember exactly when, but then you know, obviously at that point we're like we're in, like we're we're going to like shows all the time. Like it was just like a every Friday, every Saturday, like that's where we'd be. And like 
you know, again, like my parents just like being like willing to, to like support that and just be like, we know like you're not getting into trouble here. So like, this and, is like a great place for you to be. And and how are you, you, you're finding out about all these through Bradley and through Dylan? No. Okay. So I think at the, at, at this point in time, um, you, we started like that's like, this was like my space time. So okay. this was like, then once we, once you see that band, you follow them. And then they post like when their next kind of thing is. So right. it was like okay. a, it was truly like the beginning stages of like social media and right. like you know flyering and little things like that. So that was kind of like the first that that was basically how we started kind of getting into to those things. So okay, so 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 you're going to a couple gigs. When when do you start a band that like what's the first band that books a show? For me, yeah. Um, so I didn't really end up playing. Okay, so all right, let's think how to kind of get in. So the the first like kind of group of people um, I ended up like really getting in with with the hardcore scene. Um, they they had a couple of bands, and it wasn't like necessarily hardcore, but it was like you know music you can moss to, and so like. We were into that, like a couple of my friends started getting into it, and we would just kind of like follow that band. And uh, eventually, those guys stopped playing, and they wanted to start a new band. And because I just known them over the years, they asked me if I wanted to be in it. And there's this band called Who Cares. It was like, uh, just like a pretty straightforward hardcore band. It wasn't okay. like anything crazy or anything like that. But that was the well, first band. Well, what I were was these in. guys? What were these guys listening to? At the time, um, like, like, what are was, what are their influences? So probably, I guess for the for these bands, it was like, you know, it was it was like the the middle like era of like Florida hardcore. So it was like Cult Preserve, okay. uh, Red Baron, okay, okay, um, okay. Thick as Blood, like you know stuff like that. Like yeah, that yeah, was yeah. kind of like, and and the music sounded really nothing like any of that. It was like probably closer to like Comeback Kid than anything, but oh, okay. it didn't. I didn't really know exactly what I was just. I played in it and I had fun because like there you know, were no lines was, at the time. There were no genre exactly, lines there, at the time. I a hundred like that's that's about the best way you could put it. So <laughs> it was just cool. You knew it was cool. You were yeah. You knew it. It had already hooked you. And and you know I think that's the thing that I I sometimes wish. It's like man, I I wish I could go back when I was sixteen only for the simple fact of like listening to music with those ears or in its seeing, form yeah 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 not being not knowing everything there's that I no know like now. there's like no secondary or tertiary like genre associated with it. right it's just like this is it is what it is exactly so. exactly okay okay so 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 you link up with those guys well and sorry what was the band called again it's called Who Cares. Okay, so Who Cares, and and do you play like, do you end up playing like any six shows, or is it just mostly like local shows, or, or it what's was mainly local things. I don't know if we ever played like one gig that was like a touring group coming through. Or yeah, whatever. anything like that. Um, do you remember who was yeah. booking shows at the time? Is like was at there the time, was at the time it was the singer. The singer had a church that he would be able to book shows at. And there were, we really didn't have a lot going on in Pensacola because, um, you know, the guys that like really kind of carried it, like leading up to that were, were getting, they were, they're just booking really shows for like themselves. They were like, they weren't yeah. like booking out of town gigs. They're just like, okay, where could we play in town? 
So basically, yeah. So basically, what ended up happening at that point in time was like it was really, it was really getting monetized. Like people were like finding ways to like really just like book a show and like you know really take advantage of bands that were playing, and then huh. that created a lot of tension in the scene. So True. then you know, and then people were breaking edge, and people were doing like other things, like where it just basically like and the this is this is like this, this is like while you're sixteen, seventeen. This is, yeah, right around, like, yeah, right and, around And there. so did you, did you know, like, a lot of people that were, like, claiming Straight Edge and, like, was that, like, building up, like, in Pensacola? No, not really. Like, I only knew, like, a handful of them okay. because okay. um, just because, like, I, I was definitely one of the younger people that was coming around at that point in time, and none of them— so were you pretty vocal just, about it, too? Like, were you, like, claim—were you, like, repping that? Oh, yeah. Were you, like, actively oh, yeah. repping that? Okay, so. Oh, yeah. That's always beast. had an X shirt yeah, or some shit like, like that on. Um, but, but like, that was kind of another thing that like, I really wanted to carry over into like when, when things could kind of go our way is that like, none of those guys like ever, like they, none of these, the old straight edge people like took any time to like say what's up to me or like make me feel like I was like involved or anything like that. Like, Right. The other guys, the ones that were doing like the kind of like Christian hardcore stuff, like they like that Im- invited me to do their band. Like that was kind of like my that was like my uh, scene that felt way more like home yeah. because it felt like it was like a, an extension of you know a friendship and everything. But like as far as like the straight edge kids and like the like the the real hardcore guys that would like go to like shit like that, like I think Blacklisted and someone right. played and. Like the kids that would go to that show, um, I I I didn't really know like any of them by name or like th- they didn't really ever take any of the time to like try to do that. So I really wanted to like make sure like like I said when when I have when when I have my time, I'm gonna make sure that like I'm gonna walk up to any kid and just say what's up to them, and I don't really give a shit if it makes me feel bad. Uh, they, if they give me like the cool shoulder or anything, I'm going to know that like I did my part and, uh, that, you know, I, Dude, I, I work sale. <laughs> I, I, so. I, I, I think that's so important. I think, I think that that's something that, you know, um, like, like as now that I'm 30 and now that you're 30, like I, I can honestly say that, sorry, but the, the, the guys before us, especially in Florida, you, you dropped the ball. Like you, Oh my you, God. Yeah. You did not want to help the kids that were coming up after you at all. And that is something that, that I have definitely w- made sure that I am trying to actively do is, is, right. is, is want to get those young people involved and make sure that it's not a cool kids thing. Like, like I think, I think hardcore draws in so many kids for so many different reasons that that's already intriguing enough that you don't have to have this kind of cool guy personality or persona to like uh, do that, you you know? And so, and so I think that's, I think that's super important. That's so funny that you bring up, like it was the Christian, it it was kind of these, (laughs) it was, it was kind of these kids that are definitely ragged on now. And, 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 you you know, like I'm so guilty of it too, but, but, but those, those were the guys that were handing me the torch too. It it was, it was kind of the Christian metalcore kids that were like, yo, yeah, you can come and play this show. Yeah. You you know, here's what it's about. And, and those were the only people that were ever lending a helping hand. Um, yeah, you know, so, so I, I, I definitely relate with that a little bit. So, so that's, well, that's really and, cool. And, and, and it just basically made us all have to fucking start from scratch. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, every mm-hmm. single one of us, like, I mean, all the way down to South Florida, like we basically 
like from from top to bottom for Florida, every single scene had to basically have like that one person that like took it by the reins and was just like, I- right. I'm going to do this, which is crazy that it all ended up happening that way. And like the time that it did, because like, it's very, like it could have easily just been like one person that said like, I'm going to do this. And like the, the only shows that ever happened were in Tampa or the only shows that ever, right. But then like, we were able to get like bands to like do whole fucking tour routes based on it because right. of like, what we were able to do kind of like moving forward and stuff, which I think is, is, is pretty awesome. So. Right. 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 Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, not to jump ahead, but, but exactly. It's like, you, you know, over the years, there was definitely like, at least I feel like in my view, there was like this, this weird decade where it was kind of like up to like, you know, people like you to kind of uh, take the torch, you know, and, and, and kind of these people that are responsible for really um, um, carrying the scene for, for a long, long time. And, and so, um, yeah, yeah. I just think that's really cool, but not to skip super far ahead. So, so, so um, you're, you're playing in, um, sorry, what's the band's name? One more time. Who cares? Who cares? You're playing. Who cares? Who cares what the name is? Um, you're playing a couple <laughs> shows. Um, so, so, so you were saying that you you guys played mostly local shows. How did that? Yeah. Dis- how did that dissolve? And then, and then, kind of, what was the next group? How did you move into more like the bad habits, cold hearted yeah. era? You know. Yeah. Good question. Um, and and also so ba- also at that time, like, are you getting into booking shows? Like, wh- when do you start getting in? Not quite. Okay. Not okay. quite. Um, I'll get I'll get I'll get into that perfect, too, though. Perfect. But uh, so basically, uh, I guess I guess like the biggest the, the the reason that we ended up kind of dissolving it was not necessarily because of like me. It was like a really weird thing. Like I think the guys in it assumed that I wasn't going to do this tour. So they did a tour out West for whatever reason. And one of the guys trucks. Oh, so they actually they, like did stuff like they were trying uh, or I mean, trying to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't really know like how exactly this ended up shaking out, okay. but so they ended up like, they, they, they basically kicked me out because I, uh, they assumed I wasn't going to do the tour, which I probably wasn't going to do. Anyway, but they like didn't even ask. And so okay. they, they found a fill and they're like, Hey, we got a fill in for you. And I'm like, okay. I didn't know like whatever. And, uh, they got a fill in for Nick who is, was also in cold hearted. So like they basically both kicked, kicked us both out at the time. So and what did, what did they, Nick play at the time? Nick, Nick was... played bass. Okay, cool. So at this point in time, I didn't know um, Nick was musically inclined. Sorry, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't, I think he, yeah, he, he plays guitar some, I don't know if he still does. I think he actually just bought a guitar. Oh, hell um, yeah. but yeah, I think he's like more in like the, the stained, he's like uh, Aaron Lewis from stained now. That's like his, his oh. shit. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's go. I back it so hard. Um, but so I guess like from that point, like we didn't have a band and, uh, at the time there were really no, like there was like no good bands. Like I mean, like I'm talking like I would go to them, and I, as a person who, like, kind of enjoys like seeing a bad band, just because like it's just fun and it's just like it's pure <laughs> and it's just like they're like having a good time. So like, it doesn't really matter. But For like, sure, I was just like, dude, this this is bad. Like, there's not one single good band here. Like bands got big here because they did a recorded cover song that had a breakdown in it. And I'm just like, okay, like we, let's, I, 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 in the back of my head, I really wanted 
to do something else. I just didn't know. Like, I, I didn't realize it yet. But uh, okay. me, me and Nick went to this show. And, and, and how old are you? You're junior? No, at this point in time, I was already graduated. So I was okay. like 18 or 19. So, I think it was 19. So, so I, I did not know about this. Like, you really had not started your first real, like, I get, I you know, I guess who cares was was a a hardcore band, but you hadn't really gotten linked up with anyone super solid until after high school. Nope. Oh That's yeah. Crazy. No. That is so yeah. crazy. And like I was friends with some of the guys that like I ended up being in bands with, but like for a while it's just like I so I and maybe you can kind of attest to this, but like just because you know someone plays music doesn't necessarily mean you you know how good they are. So it's like a little risky like trying to start a band with someone unless you know like okay oh, they absolutely. can they keep up can you know it's like if someone says like oh i play drums and then you you go jam with them and you're just like fuck like did yeah. i did i just marry myself to the situation right, or like right, I, right. can i still get out of it like you you've so you've, I, I you've been around was like really wary about that okay and and you had been playing for a little bit of time to figure out that you knew that you knew at least enough about guitar that you need, yeah. you need to be with someone competent enough at their craft to, you know, keep up with you. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, so then like re- there was like yeah, that period of time where I was like looking at all the bands around. I'm just like, this is bad. And like, we had just gotten kicked out of that one band and um, they ended up like not really doing anything afterwards anyway, but it was still like, just like, okay, I want to start something now. Like, this is like a point in time where like, I'm like, I can do more than write leads. Like I can write songs and uh, I wrote songs with Bradley with Powell Fox, like obviously different thing than writing like hardcore songs and shit. So, um, but still you got practice with structure and how to like, you know, do verses and, and, and yeah, structure a song, compose a song. So, yeah. So, um, me and Nick drove over to Jacksonville to go see this like big show. It was like, I think the headliner was, I can't even remember who the headliner was. I think it, I don't know if it was Bane. It was, I mean, Trapped Under Ice played, uh, Cruel Hand played, Forfeit, uh, Alpha and Omega. No, that was a different one. I don't remember. It was those, it was those three mainly. That's a pretty stacked and, lineup just for those three. So, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and at that ass. time, like, that's just like the, the pinnacle right there. So, yeah. And, uh, there is actually during Cruel Hand, uh, the singer go, says something. He's like playing, you know, the show's fucking going so crazy. It's awesome. And he just goes, if you play an instrument and you're not in a band, why not? He right. was basically like, basically, he, he was basically like calling anyone out in the audience to like go out there and start a band. And so like on the way home, like I was like talking to Nick, I'm like, dude, I, we need to start something. Like, let's do it. And he's just like, I want to do vocals and something. So like, let, let's, let's try it. And so that's when we started cold hearted. Um, we met like I, we the the biggest issue at this point in time was like we didn't really have like a hardcore drummer like no one could do the one beat you know like no right, one could do right, like right. the <laughs> get, the, get, the get, right get, way get, get. Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm just like and I just really needed that like I'm like dude if if I don't if I don't have anyone that can do this it's like we're we're basically not gonna pull it off and um there there was some there were some rumblings of this this kid that played. And uh, he played in like a pop punk band and he was playing with some other kids from this like rich town. And I, I like heard about it and I found him on YouTube and he was like doing covers. And so I sent him like, I sent him a cover request. I'm like, 
I want you to cover, I can't remember, I think it was, uh, uh, I think it was Cruel Hand. I think it was Above and Below. And I said, cover this song. I just wanted to see how we would play it. He played it right, and I'm like, okay. He played the beat right. So, like, let me see about, like, hitting him up and, and seeing if he'll do this band. And uh, I messaged him, and it's it was this dude, Josh. Oh, yeah. At the time, yeah, he was 14 at the time. So, like, obviously, as a 20-year-old, 20-year-old, like, doing this, I was like, I this is a little, you know, it could come off weird, so I'm not going to, like, get my hopes up. And uh, it ended up working out really well. Like, his parents were, like, super cool with it and everything we like drop them off at practice and shit and um you know and then we you know we started cold-hearted from there that's so cool uh, um the first time i ever saw josh play i was uh definitely taken back and uh i feel like those these smaller cities like it it kind of um revolves around definitely unfortunately the drummer like if, yeah if, if, as soon as you find that kind of key player you're like all right man you're you're gonna be in all of these bands whether you like it or not yeah and so that's that yeah realistically that's what ends up happening for a little bit but um you know so again kind of like you know that's happening too but at the same time like i said like no one was really doing the one beat right so at that point in time like i said my brother was playing drums so i I learned how to play. I was just like, out of just like, right. it was it was there, it was convenient. I was just like, if I can't figure out someone that's going to do this, I'm going to do it. So then I started playing, and then uh, I like put it out there. I was like, I- I'm interested in like playing drums for something. And then Ryan, who, you know, played guitar yeah. in that, and yeah. he's Seeker, he was just like, um, he, he was just like, uh, like I have this, this band I want to try to do, and that was Bad Habits and uh so so, yes. so when do when do recordings come out so like cold hearted gets formed first um you put out your demo um what, what 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 like what types of shows like are you guys playing like because because cold hearted like became kind of a thing in florida for a little bit so so yeah so the first show that cold hearted played was um the first show that cold hearted played was God, I think it was Bitter End, Mongoloids, Donnie Brook, or something like that. That's so, so crazy. Really stressful. Like, and, and is this like, this is man. is this like, at the handlebar? Is this? No, this okay. was at the church still. So we hadn't okay. done the handlebar just yet. Okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, we did, did that. Um, and this is the church. Started, this is the church by that guy who is in your yep. band. Okay, okay. So yep. he's still booking. Like he's booking the local he's shows still doing in town. Stuff, man. Okay, cool. Yep. And so then like then we started basically like paving our way then and and it was crazy because like you know for like the the local hardcore band that like i mean we could play and there'd be like 100 people that would come and it was like the craziest thing ever right then then people started getting kind of wise to it and they started like adding us to shit that we didn't necessarily fit on just because they knew that we'd bring people and i was like i was still kind of okay with that because like at the point of time like i wasn't really i i you know like we were selling merch like we were having six shows like that's what it was about to me it wasn't really about like the the the, the justice or like the point of it like we were basically like wait wait you know, wait, like, wait wait back, back up for a second you're okay, you're, you're you're saying you're, you're saying you're saying that people like in town were hitting up cold-hearted to put them on bills because they saw 
the amount of oh, draw yeah. that you guys were getting. Oh yeah. See, and, see, uh, that, that, that's that's really cool. The fact that like, like that doesn't happen here in Tallahassee. Like, like the the, I feel like the people that pay attention to the scene, they don't they don't really care about that as much because they have the yeah. co- they have the college to leech off of. So that's really that's really interesting that you had people that were you, you know probably not super affiliated with the hardcore scene but seeing just the attendance for these shows because that's something that i, I constantly have to like relate to relate to people is like mm-hmm. don't don't undermine the scene at all because unlike maybe some other scenes you have these kids that wear this image that live this image that you know as soon as they get hooked in it like that's all they do so so that's that, that's interesting that you know other people were like hitting you up to to kind of get you to play you know events that you might oh, not yeah. have bills that you kind of might not have fitted on so that, that that's really neat yeah um yeah so like at that point in time like we had basically kind of you know through playing shows it was like a breath of fresh air for everyone you know like everyone in the scene was basically like dying Cause like who cares kind of paved the way like we still had like a good following but like to really like basically us kind of come in here and, and and make like a big name for like pensacola uh it really got like a big support group around it and it that helped a lot i think for i think that helped a lot for bad habits kind that of the era to come the the next era to come you guys kind of set, set the stage you know for all that shit to happen yeah and so um, it, it was it, it really got like a lot of different people involved in making music, too, because they were like they were seeing they were seeing it and they wanted to be in it, too. And so, um, you know, I think at the time, like Truth Inside was 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 right. doing some stuff. And um, there was uh, who's kind of the joke band. New- what was the joke band you did with? Uh, oh, what's his name? I mean, Kev, I think Kevin was. Luke Hang? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I know that you guys started that. And... <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we did that. Um, there was this band. There was actually this band from here called Rush Hour that uh, Kevin, oh, yeah. uh, uh, Kevin's brother was in. Um, and it, it was really sick. It was like definitely like the melodic style, like carry on and shit too, though. And um, so like we would play with them and. Um, you know, it, it it just really it felt right at that point in time. Like everything was like all good, and everything. And I think it's because you know we were we were doing it the way that like we wanted it to be done. Like right. we we were we were booking it. We weren't we weren't like letting fights happen. We we were um you know like being friendly and like meeting people. Like at, well, you I know kinda, that point. I kind of remember that time being like kind of the the like. I mean, I, I will always attribute that era to being kind of the golden era of my like upbringing in hardcore because it seemed like the Pensacola Jacksonville Tampa connection was the 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 North Florida connection and then kind of that the Central Florida connection was kind of really strong in my opinion. You you know, it seemed like you had a lot of people that were that were um growing into the scene together and trying to work together to kind of like build up the scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, I, I agree. It was, like I said, it was one of those kind of like magical things. Like if, if you want to put it that way, where like it kind of happened simultaneously as a result of like really poor, like old headship, you know, like everyone, (laughs) I mean, it was just like realistically, like anyone that was around then could not be further from existence now. And, uh, yeah, that's awesome. 
That's so cool. Okay, so 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 bad habits, cold hearted is popping. You guys are playing some cool shows. I mean, I remember seeing some some insane shows just just at the. Oh, well, no, this isn't even this isn't even handlebar oh, okay. yet. So, so 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 how I guess did? Let's get into that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How did uh, how did how did you find the handlebar? How did how did and for for anyone that's listening that's wondering what we're talking about, um, there's this venue in North Florida in Pensacola that um, is called the Handlebar that is is just. I mean, iconic. If you've ever toured through through Florida before and and stopped at Pensacola, you've probably played there. And and for the younger kids, it, it was just kind of this venue that for us in the time, it was just this dirty, rundown bar that was just the perfect combination of of the stage was the perfect height, the bar and the venue was the perfect size. And if you got a band like Turnstile or Expire in the, at the time in there, it was just an insane show and and you know yeah 200 kids were piling up in there or 300 kids and it was just you know insane so um so so, so yeah get into that a little bit how, how did you guys okay find so um like i said we we didn't really have a venue at the time like i think um we were doing the church but then the church you know obviously after you know hardcore shows kept happening and stuff kept getting broken accidentally they were just like we're not going to do stuff here anymore so for a while we were doing house shows and we did this house, we did house shows at this place that was, uh, and we did house shows in this place in Gulf Breeze and it was outside and it was like six or 7 PM. And I guess like the mom was just so pissed off that she was just like, I'm calling the show. Like it's too loud. Like I'm not doing this anymore. And, uh, we were kind of scrambling. We're like, okay, well, how do we finish the show? Like cold hearted didn't get to play yet. Like, the touring bands didn't get to play yet. So we're like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's figure this out. And like, let's, let's go somewhere. Uh, and, uh, That's so cool. I just started calling, I started calling around to different places. Like at the, at the time I had been to the handlebar, I was just like, I don't know what their vibe is, but I had been there. And so I, I called them and I said, Hey, do you guys have, have a show going on tonight? And, and then the, the guy goes, no, nah, man, I'm really sorry. We don't like have anything going on. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Awesome. Well, Listen, I, and I explained to him the situation, and he was just like, he was just like, oh, it was a free thing? And I was like, yeah. He goes, all right, well, look, if if you cover my sound guy, I'll work the door for you for free, um, you know, but that, that like, that's all that we need. And I was just like, what's the sound guy? He's like, 50 bucks. And I'm like, huh? oh, okay, no no big deal. So we we, we, we got together. We we used some merch money, and we, we, we paid for the sound guy, and we did the show there. And it was smoky as fuck. It was like, you know, it's just your very typical like dive bar. And it was just, it. We finished out the show, and it was fucking awesome. And it was the kind of like this the start of everything. Like I got the you know the the door and person's contact information. Like if you ever want to do this again, it was fun. And I was just like, wow. Like they just saw like all these people moshing, and they're like, that was fun. Like let's do it again. I'm like, okay, great. So at the point at that point in time, like I mean, it was really looked down on. Like people like fucking hated it. They were like, they were they they didn't like the smoke. They didn't like you know like that you know people would kind of sneak in underage there. Like it 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 was like kind of like some there were some characters that 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 like frequented it. 
So I mean, I go, go, was... go, go ahead and just describe the handlebar to, to uh, I mean, you're, you're like trying to be modest and describing it. Like <laughs> to, to, to me, like the handlebar was one of my favorite venues. Like, like just because it set that aesthetic of like, you feel like you're in a movie, like you go to yeah, the bathroom okay. and you can't. So base. You yeah. Know, yeah. All right. You, you, you can't really go to the bathroom because the facilities aren't working, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so if you walk in the bar, like the first thing immediately, it's all brick. Uh, the first thing immediately that happens is you get a huge whiff of smoke and uh, your your eyes start to burn a little bit, but then you get used to it and uh, your clothes will stink for the next day. And, to, you oh, know, yeah. and, and if you don't shower before work, your hair will stink and <laughs> like everything will. So um, that was something you kind of had to learn over time. Um, if you walked in there at 11 a.m., there would be three or four different dudes with their ass cracks hanging out, they'd have sweat stains. They'd be chain smoking at the bar watching Jeopardy. Um, they're, they only served the, their, their business model was right before whatever event they would run down to the liquor store buy like six or seven different, uh, beer cases and then resell it. So they really didn't make a lot of money. I don't think, um, that's, it, it, that's so it, crazy they didn't have like a a truck like they didn't have like a oh no a yeah they, they a distribution did it all company <laughs> yeah um the sound people always alternated it was always some new character a person that like you could barely ever understand which was awesome and then the bathrooms were basically like you want a hazmat suit when you go in them just because like there's liquid all over the floor from God knows what and <laughs> um, trash piling out of the trash can. Um, the bathroom still smelled like smoke, even though it was not in the same room. And then they had a nice little courtyard area, which had no lights. <laughs> and it was just like the perfect place to smoke a bowl. Yo, that, and... <laughs> for sure. I, I would say that the courtyard area didn't, didn't really become known to me until like later. Like I feel like yeah, people it, weren't even really going there. That it exists, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I just remember like showing up to that venue and and just like knowing that we needed to prepare that if we needed to go to the bathroom before the show, like we were stopping at Walgreens or just it was not happening. Didn't know if it was gonna work, dude. That's so funny. I mean, honestly, like some of my best memories are from venues like that, and I would say like it's hilarious because I feel like we went to more venues like that, like up in the Northeast, where you're like, okay, like these bathrooms like haven't been maintenance in so long. So like in Florida, it was just kind of this, like you, as soon as you stepped inside the handlebar, you were just in a different world. And so there's just that. Well, I think what the handlebar really did and what venues like that really do, is it really like, it really makes you focus on like what you're there for. Like you're there, you're there for the music. Like right. you're not there for, you're not there for like the, the really, special drink or the right or you know whatever else that there is going on like you're there like to watch music and it just and just like really like focus on like the pureness of that so. right so so okay so so you you guys end up booking that show at the handlebar how do you get into like do, does that just launch the start of you booking shows do you just like kind of that's like your contact from here on out you're just kind of hitting them up every time yeah. you show um so basically, yeah, I guess kind of how you start booking shows is you do it for yourself. Like you do it, like you, you're like, I, I, I'm booking this band. I'm booking this show because I want to play. Right. And then eventually what ends up happening is you end up booking for, you know, uh, another person's band. You know, like 
just for example, like, um, you know, there there was that band. Uh, was it from the for the cause from Tally? And there was oh, truth talking, inside. Yeah, you're talking about like wait, yeah. You know. Yeah. So well, so what ends up happening is like you book a show for them, so that they'll like do it for you whenever you want right. to go over there. And so you just start doing like these show trades, and then all of a sudden, you end up booking so many of them that you're like, shit, I, like I, I can't put myself on every show. Right. And then you start getting really selective, and then you end up not putting yourself on any show. You're <laughs> like, damn, now I'm just a full-on promoter. I'm like right. barely even like putting my band on stuff anymore. So, so uh, that's really cool. Like, so, so it's like, um, you know, for for anyone that's trying to get into like booking shows like in their town, like it all it took for you was. A, a night where kind of a problem arose you need to figure something out you hit up this bar that you would have never would have suspected to launch you kind of on the trajectory that you went on for like the next decade realistically and um and it became like a super vital and important part of the scene over that period of time and so it's just like when I, I hear all the time, like people just kind of give excuses of like, ah, uh, you know, I don't know how to do that. Or I don't know how to do that. It's like, yeah, none of these motherfuckers knew how to do that at that time. You, you know, yeah, every, everyone had to take that initiation of, of, of you know, uh, uh, figuring out the problem that was, was uh, ahead of them. And so, you know, it's, it's sometimes in the smaller cities, it's not as easy as, you know, being in Philly or being in Boston or being in, in LA where it's like, there's a lot of options. Right. Like even if, because basically what it boils down to is like, you know, a, in a smaller city, if there's 500 businesses and you get one to agree as compared to, you know, a bigger city where there's maybe 15,000 and, you know, like you get so many, you know, other options just proportionally. And so, yeah, it was definitely like a harder situation. And uh, uh, like I, I mean. But thinking it, about that, just just going through the numbers is like I think a lot of like kids like. They, they don't even want to book a show because they think like a sound person's going to be a thousand dollars and they think the venue yeah. is going to take two thousand dollars and and the security is going to cost a thousand dollars so so you know the show has to make this amount and it's like dude you, if, if you just realize that the venue for the most part would like some sort of entertainment there to bring them sales and mm -hmm. to get their numbers to spike you, you know you have something to leverage and you have something to offer them and so it's like for for the handlebar and you i just look at it as as like the perfect symbiotic relationship it's like yeah you, you, they were kind of the perfect spot that needed a, someone to come along and kind of like revamp it and you are kind of that individual that was looking for that space to, to, to provide, you know, something to them. And so it, it created something that, you know, for, for anyone listening and anyone that's been in Florida, you know, or, or interested in Florida hardcore history, like the handlebar in North Florida for, you know, a, a decade, I can say for a full decade, you, you know, from, from 2000 and you, you, when 2008 to 2018, you know, yeah probably yeah pretty much right like 18 is when it closed and then yeah like pretty much pretty, i'd say 2010 is probably the okay. earliest because because like i said basically it was kind of looked down on and then all of a sudden like we start doing six shows there and everyone's just like what okay. like we want to do shows there so right. then we like basically like reintegrated like this whole world of like shows happening there and so we like i i, I really feel like that night almost kept it afloat like even like 
significantly longer than it needed to be. So, do you, do you think a little bit of its its success um, was part because you could give a bigger guarantee to the bands because the bark wasn't taking a big guarantee, or I mean because because uh, the handlebar wasn't paying a big guarantee? Yeah, um, that helped for sure. Um, like, what did they the take? What, too, what, what did they take at the end of the night? Was it just uh, handlebar? Guy? Was it was basically it was Doran Sound Guy, which was eighty dollar total, and then. They charged a percentage sometimes. It was like it depended on the sound guy and who broke it down. Like the okay. guy was basically like, if the bar did really well, we're not going to do this. If the show didn't do well at all, they're like, we're not going to screw over the bands. Like we're in this for, like we're in this to help out. And it's just like I think all these elements, you know, like that I keep bringing up. It's like as much as like I want to say like, you know. Uh, it was like hard work and all this other stuff. I, I really feel like the right chips and the right mentalities like kind of all really came together and it ended up kind of creating like what it what it is. So. Yeah, that, that the outcome that came to be because like you you know it's something that I definitely want to talk about. You know when we go over these things is is, is passing on that torch to you, you know kids that are listening, anyone that's listening that's trying to book a show in a smaller town. It's like the things that you can do in order to build your scene and boost your scene, and not to get kind of bogged down on kind of the things of of of. Uh, th that kind of prevent you from doing those things yeah so, so to kind of you know to find a place that doesn't take a big guarantee that that needs you, you know they're they're you know if you just look at it in a more of a business sense you, you know all these there's these dive bars that only have a couple of people in them on some of these nights if you can book a weeknight show on a place that doesn't normally bring in a lot of people, they're just going to be pumped that you bring in people True. by exactly. drinks. And so yep. it's like, it's like you, you know, find those locations in your city. You have them. You have these venues that, that have these spaces that, that, you know, you can do this and, and don't let something, you, you know, like uh, because the, the main venue isn't in town, isn't booking your band. They, why do they need to book your band? You, you haven't proven anything to them. You don't, you don't, you don't you don't equal dollar signs in in their mm -hmm. eyes. So 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 you know you kind of have to like build that up on your own. And one of those true. one of those ways to do that is like you were saying earlier, those church halls, those legion halls. You are such a, a huge resource in kind of just having me break down the numbers. It's like okay, if I need eighty eighty dollars to pay a sound guy and the venue at the end of the night, that means if it's a five dollar show. What? How many people do I really need? I need sixteen people to come. I need mm -hmm. twenty people to come, like just to cover my costs. Okay, if I print a couple flyers and I promote like a Facebook group, like I can, I can make that happen. I can get yeah. twenty people out, you know, and stuff like that. So, 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 so you're 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 getting into booking shows. You're you're did did just the pure inspiration of stuff not being able to happen around at that time inspire you or was there someone was there someone booking stuff other than kind of your friend that was doing stuff at the church or literally you kind of just fell into it because the handlebar was there you needed something and and it happened yeah that was pretty much it like it, if not for probably that specific moment i don't really know like i mean I, I, I never really was, like, inspired to, at that point in time, to, like, do it or book a show. It was just kind of out of necessity. Okay. And and it's, like, kind of similarly with, like, making Cold Hearted. Like, I, I, I felt like there wasn't a band like that in the area. There wasn't anything like that. It was like, well, let's start. Let's start it ourselves. Like, let's, let's, 
let's start it out of necessity. And so, right. you know, like later on in life, that's when I, I made the venue because it was like, it was out of necessity. Like we, we needed a place like that. We needed to continue it on. And, and, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to do that. So that's when I started night moves and stuff. Okay. So, so yeah, let's jump into that. Cause I mean, I feel like we can make this a three hour podcast. I yeah. So, so, but, but I kind of do want to keep it down to like an hour and like 45 or an hour and 30 for people. So, so go ahead and jump into that. So, so you have, sure. we kind of have this like really cool period in Florida where like the handlebar is going, um, the, you, you know, up until 2018 cold hearted plays some really cool shows, um, do, do you guys actually go ahead and talk about like what what tours does Cold Hearted do? I know Cold Hearted does some stuff. You guys put out Lunacy. Who did you guys put out Lunacy through? Uh, that was through Life to Live. Okay, okay. Um, and then you know, kind of shortly after that, um, you know, we we toured on that record with Losing It, and then pretty shortly after that, Nick moved away, and uh, okay. shows just weren't really coming around as often. Um, so we were doing bad habits for a little bit. Um, nothing, nothing really jumps out at me as to like what else was going on. Uh, but then Matt's at that point, it kind of starts around that. Point. Yeah. So I was just about to say, so right around then, that's when Bob moved to Pensacola. Uh, I was like harassing him about starting something. Cause like, you know, we weren't doing anything with cold hearted, but like, and did you, I, did you know him before? Or did you just know him from the internet? No. Okay. I met him. I didn't even know him through the internet. Like I met him at a show that okay, cold hearted so, was playing. So, so it was like a legit, it. it was like a legit punishment. Like you. Yeah. You, okay, cool. So That's then, awesome. yeah, he comes, he comes to the thing. He moves here. Like we're hanging out and stuff. And I'm just like asking him every now and then it's like, dude, do you want to start a band? And he's just like, he basically said like, he he was he didn't say no is basically the gotcha. best way I can put it. It's a good and, uh, way to put it. Yeah, and so he didn't say no. Um, and I I wrote some music and I was just like I, I was telling him was like look I, I I have two ideas for bands. Um, one one idea is to sound like AFI. Um, and, and he was like I fuck no. No no he he was into that. Huh. And then awesome. the other idea was uh, so you know at that point in time like you know like. The bands that were getting big were the bands that sounded like the '90s hardcore. Like they sounded like disembodied. It was like, you know, it was it was blistered. It was you know, other bands of of that style, like a '90s hardcore. And I was just like, you know, like that stuff is good, but like, you know, there's like a whole other side of '90s hardcore of like Marauder and All Out War that's like a little bit like riffier. For and sure. I really liked that. And so I was just like, I was like, so I, I was like, let's start a band that sounds like Marauder and All Out War. And he's just like, my voice would sound like shit through that. I'm like, okay, we'll try it. You know, like, like, let, let, prove me wrong. And so wrote the demo. We recorded it with you. Um, I don't think he even wrote lyrics until he was on the way over <laughs> to it. Of course. And then we recorded it. And uh, eventually, I think he, he basically like from that demo like immediately like got us a tour which i'm like it's like dude we haven't even played a fucking show yet like i think no we we had played a show at that point but like we never played out of town and right i was just like i was like we're gonna do a tour and like we haven't even played out of town yet like i don't know about this man and so it was like a little ambitious but ended up being pretty good i think there was a couple shows that were like stinkers but like i think for the most part like it had a decent reaction, like the first like go around, even though it was really early. 
and that was when uh you know you filled in on drums uh and eventually ended up taking over it which is you know like the best thing that could have happened because it was just like it like the one guy was pretty flaky um so really like i think another you know stars lining like we were all like in it together like right then and there and we could really like dedicate like our lives and our time to it and it, it ended up being something really cool as a result of it so yeah it's funny that you bring that up because i remember uh getting that phone call from bob and um like i i had just known him from um mother mercy and and coming from like central florida or growing up in central florida and and being involved in that scene you uh you you definitely like held on to those um thick as blood type of bands and and that that whole type of hardcore it was just different and and the the type of hardcore that i listened to afterwards kind of when i moved to tallahassee was i got introduced to more of the mother of mercy type bands and and kind of yeah. you know cruel hand and, and trapped under ice and stuff yep. and and so then that opened up a whole new door so so when i got that phone call from bob and he was like yo like do you want to fill in on this tour and and you know the tour was with point blank um and so it was like for me to be doing double duty and playing drums um both nights i was just like so pumped but i remember thinking to myself like the demo when we recorded it josh played so much double bass and i I just like i remembered to myself like i don't know if i can do that like i just don't know if i can do that and so i remember ended up being pretty fucking good at it after a while (laughs) so i i i remember literally going home and like just like that was the thing i needed to learn like that was definitely the thing i needed to learn it's funny you talk about that one beat that you were like trying to find like I didn't learn that punk beat, kind of like that DB <laughs> type of thing, until like yeah. so much later. Like, like that that was something that like hurt my brain to like learn. Like after instead of just doing the regular like straight kind of metal fast beat, um, to doing kind of that gallop that like D beat was just so weird yeah. for me to learn. So, yeah. so okay, so, so so that's really neat. So so it's like, um, Matt, you 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 present this music to bob you're like yo i've kind of got this marauder style um what do you think and he thinks his vocals are gonna sound like shit but um (laughs) but we record it and it and it works it works so well it like it like you know i I remember when i was recording it i was just like the the power that was kind of behind you know and um me at the time and recording uh, i hadn't recorded like an insane amount of bands so so the fact that like you know you were playing on it and that he was doing vocals um it was just like really cool and so i just remember it just sounding so insane and so um so yeah so so okay okay you guys link up bob's living in pensacola at the time um we we end up going on that tour what what happens after that um so after that we have probably you know, we we obviously ended up doing a ton of different shows and uh as a result of that like obviously there's more you know bands coming through which is you know getting you know he at the time was kind of like handling a lot of the booking because he had a lot of connections which was great so i was learning things from him you know like just like little things like and it's different in philly i think because you can you can basically convince a band to go to a whole weekend because you can have them hit philly new york 
Boston, right. all on a weekend. Right. And 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 it's like those are three fucking awesome cities. But like here, it's like a little difficult. You can't really convince a band to do that for here. Uh, but there were like little things like that he taught me with that. Like you know he taught me like how like the different like um, the different ways to like you know how what bands are worth. He taught me like how to like put together shows from different from different scenes. Like and so at that point in time, like yeah, we were definitely mainly doing hardcore stuff. But then he started reaching out to the punk guys. He started reaching out to the indie guys. Like he did that band. Uh, oh, what is the shoegaze band? Um, were so he did that band and then okay. like did like a couple other like he, he like did like bands from different scenes and it ended up being an insane show and then um so like little things like that he kind of like passed along that so like do, doing I, doing mixed bills stuff like promoting the yeah, fact that yeah. it's like hey if you're in a smaller city like go ahead and do you you know don't be afraid to put on the the trendy indie band exactly. with the hardcore band they're all friends yeah. they all like the same bands they're just yep. you know it's it's a different mood and so um okay cool cool so he's, he was passing along that information yeah he passed that along and then he lived in Pensacola, I think, for another year or so after, and then ended up moving back to Philly. And then uh, at that point, um, when did you know, FYA start? Did FYA start while he FYA was in Pensacola? Much started right around there. Yeah, yeah. Like okay. he, he was doing that, and um, that was like another thing that really helped. You know, he kind of like basically put Florida, give Florida some respect, and just like basically told fans like hey this is a this is a safe place to come play like there's people that actually still care about shit here so let's let's move it for let's pave it forward and uh yeah and i'm really glad he stuck it to here uh, well, go ahead, like, go ahead. not living home and stuff so well, well go ahead and explain to anyone that doesn't know it's like okay you, you know they're they're any festival that goes across america there is going to be the single foreman who is creating the festival and then yeah that person then has his tentacles into other people and 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 yeah. those other people help him you know or help them uh build the festival so so you know i i think that one of the things i do want to touch on this podcast is is giving you know credit to the people that may the other people may not know really deserve it it's like you've had a a decent hand in some of the the FYA festivals, you know, at least the the first couple, you, you know, can can you explain a little bit of that? Like, was was Bob asking you like what bands you thought were relevant? Were you like kind of giving in your opinion to you know stuff like that? What 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 hand did you have in all that? Um, yeah, I think for a while, like he would definitely screen me ideas. Um, okay, you know, it'd be like, is this band gonna like do well in Florida? And there there's some that like I would just be like, dude. Yeah, like, no offense, but, like, don't. Florida's kind of a younger scene. Like, I know you really want to see negative approach, but, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, okay, so for just to throw this out there, the hardest I've ever seen anyone mosh in their entire, like, I've, of anyone I've ever seen mosh okay. was Bob during negative approach at the handlebar. Okay. And I've never seen anything crazier than that. And, uh, but so I was just like, listen, just because you. You will go absolutely crazy. Does not mean that the other thousand people that you are wanting to come to the fest are going to really care about it. So. Okay, so 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 I think that's also another good example of like kind of like knowing your state and knowing your yeah. kind of your surroundings because there's like so he did lean on that. So, um, okay, yeah, and that so that that I agree with that. Uh, the the 
the second year he still had Sam, and then the third year he was all on his own. He wanted to keep doing it. And, okay. Uh, there, there was there was a couple like things he needed, like um, you know he had to like pay for some bands up front and stuff. And uh, you know I lived with him at the time. I trusted him. I'm just like, all right, yeah, like I'll 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 help you with this. Like me and another friend, like uh, you know did that and he paid us back after the fest and shit. So that like that was the first year he ended up finding like a way to get like a wallet going so he could do that himself afterwards. So um, that was. That, that was probably, you know, one way that I helped. And then um, last year there was, a, there was a venue issue. It was supposed – like, I think no one really wanted to do it at uh, – what is it, Orpheum? Yeah. Uh, the I think, stage is really yeah. tall. It huh. sounds awesome. It's in a great spot, but it's very – the stage is just so daunting yeah. that it kind of kills the vibe of it a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 kind of one of those venues that I feel like uh the way like it the architecture is like doesn't doesn't make its appeal to hardcore. Like if yeah. you're if 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 you are a death metal band or you are a bigger just a bigger band in general, that might be something that, you know, um appeals to you but 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 definitely i i get what you're saying the the move to, yeah. to the jay gaither or whatever it's called yeah. was perfect well, well so so i think so he booked it initially last year at i don't even remember what the, the name of the place is it's criminally too small like i we played a show there with heat seeker and it was like a 350 to 500 max cap oh wow. and he sold he sold it out instantly to 600 right. people and i was like bob no offense man but you're not beating 600 people in this room i don't care what anyone tells you you're not doing it people are gonna be like, pissed it's not near anything right there's there's not enough bathroom capacity to handle this there's no place for merch like bands are gonna have to do this outside this is a bad idea like that so that that's the bad thing good thing is you sold out so fast that now you're literally leaving money on the table <laughs> right so i'm like let's let's find somewhere and uh we ended up doing some research finding a couple different places and ended up on that one and uh you know i had some like the initial conversations with them and then i passed it on with him like i basically like got their their like how much they were going to charge um i i let them know like what kind of event it would be and and she was just like i mean you know, obviously, if you're renting a place for two days that's that big, they're making a pretty good amount of money. So it's almost like it doesn't really matter what's going on in there because, like, they're right. making so much money. So it's like uh, – so that that helped. They, they've done, like, wrestling events there. So, like, there's, so, like, a so, little so bit wait, of wait, translation. Wait, 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 wait. Touch on that a little bit. Like, you know, okay, Bob – because 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 i guess this is the whole point of this is like uh, you know everyone knows fya is bob's fest but but you know explain your position in this like like for for, for someone who's trying to like you know problem solve their way into like building a show like like your your confidence your literally just willingness to call someone up i think that's i feel like those are big things that people get anxiety about you, you know a lot no, you I, know it is and like it's so funny you say that because like i have co-workers that would make me call certain people for them because they were just like i can't do it like i, I don't know what i'm going to say or like even write emails i'm like dude 
who cares? So, I mean, just to give you, just to give you like some background, like obviously like, and you know, like I worked in sales. So like, yeah. I, I, I have no shame in feeling rejected. Right. So when I, I don't have like, I don't have that thing in me that, that feels scared to approach someone who I've never approached before. And, and I think that kind of helps a little bit because like, yeah, like just cold calling places and just being like, Hey, this is what I'm looking to do. I have, this is the situation that we had. We had a 600 sellout. I bet we could do a thousand in, in like, in like a healthy, dark sense. Like you like that. I feel like, I I feel like you yearn for that. Like, it's (laughs) like, it's like, okay, if I get like a yes here, that's cool. But if I get a no, like that's going to motivate me to like, just do this so much more. It really does. It really does. And, uh, and it goes back to, you know, like with, with the involvement, it's just like, I, I'm not really in, I'm, I'm, I was like with, with FYA and shit, like it's always Bob's thing. Like, I just yeah. want to help him. I want my right. friends to be successful. Right. And right. when I see a situation where I'm like, dude, you're going to, you're, you're going to lose this fest if this doesn't happen, if you don't make this transition, because you're going to have a lot of really unhappy people with this. And they end up being there and they liked it so much that they're doing it again this year. And it's just like, okay, sweet. Like that's, you know, like ultimately I didn't, you know, I, I did what I do for a living is, right. is I, I, I go in for, you know, I, I, I problem solve and I, and I help, you know, find an alternative and, you know, also, like I said, the cold calling aspect of things too. It's like, it's just kind of in my nature. So, and it's uh, like a, it's, it's, it's like a team, you know, building event. It's like, it's like Bob is the visionary. It's like, you know, yeah. you, you, you need someone to have this vision, not saying that you couldn't have this vision or anything, yeah. but it's like, well, it's no, like, I mean, he's, he's the person who's like having the idea. And then it's like, there's, there's all these people behind the scenes that kind of help yep. along with that. And it's like, you, you know, for you to kind of explain that it's like, you, you know, just the logistics of when, when a fest gets posted online, no one thinks about, okay, yeah. the person who had to solidify the venue. Okay. The guy who's like posting this and then talking about it and then Getting all the lineup. Right. I mean, and Bob's the same way too. Like, I mean, for, for, for example, like you look at that show flyer, I'll, you know how again you wouldn't even imagine how many fans said no it's oh. just like one of those things and so well, well, you don't like, think about that you know so it's like for anyone that was paying really close attention like there was another flyer that had another band on there that was supposed to play and then <laughs> canceled and it's like and and so yeah it's, it's like that type of that type of stress that weighs on someone who yeah who then you see in the general public like you go on facebook and you see these people and i mean dude i've been guilty of thinking these same things but you, you know to to see someone complaining about the lineup or to see someone complaining about something and 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 you see you, you see all this it's neg- easy to take it personal right 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 it's like it's like you, you know hold on step back for one second and think about all the work that just just yeah. just just came into place of of posting this instagram post or this facebook post it's like yeah. all the thought that that had to have been you know thought about before that that post was made just to just to get the secured lineup just to get the venue just to make sure the ticket sales were in the right link all the online shit like all that is so stressful for these people oh, that, yeah. are, that are behind the scenes and all these people that are making the stuff work that like the last thing they want to hear of is like you know someone commenting on the fucking lineup being like oh this band's stupid you, you know or, yeah. or, or just something in that nature and and i guess that's why like you you know um 
the the point of walking some of this through is is important to me because it is. You, you know it's like you see these people like you and and just other people throughout throughout history of of the scene of of really making those cogs turn and really making those gears you know smooth and 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 having these cool things like fya happen in florida and it's like to to realize that there's not really been a, a crazy hardcore festival in the southeast for a decade and the fact that fya has like done that for you know the past seven are they on seven or eight what are they on this year? i can't remember i think it's eight though but and, and you're, it's you're crazy. right like everything like as much as you want to say like oh it's it's easy or whatever it's like everything's so calculated i mean down to the mm-hmm. teeth like mm-hmm. even like a band even like a band like uh you know point of contact or burning strong who are both from florida right he's just like i don't like even to have to think like oh should they play again you know right. because it's like you don't want it to be stale or anything like that. So, right. um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, he's, he's developed like his own infrastructure, like moving forward, which has been really good. And, um, uh, you know, that's like a, a huge thing, like moving forward for, for the fast and just being able to get that all sorted out and everything. So, so, yeah, okay. Awesome. Okay. So, so, so we'll, we'll kind of like finalize with kind of maybe a little bit going into night moves and then kind of, uh, re re kind of, playing what what you're involved in now but okay so 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 we go we we go through fya and we go through this really cool period in florida where a cool fest is happening we've got you know handlebar in florida popping off we've got you know i feel like jacksonville's got like a pretty cool scene going on tampa's Tampa's got their cool thing south florida's got their whole thing going on um so 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 fya happens these couple couple years we've kind of got this cool period of time and then um, we have kind of the pre-pandemic with you switching venues. What happens to Handlebar, yeah. and then what happens to Night Moves? Kind of, kind of coming into the yeah. picture. Yeah. So, so Handlebar, um, I, the writings were on the wall for a while. Like we had a show actually where um, a band was supposed to play, and I can't remember what their name was or anything like that. It was a hardcore band from the Midwest, and uh, they were supposed to play, and uh, we we showed up, and the doors were locked lights were out and uh and this was like a touring out, band this was like you know yeah yeah you know. and it was like way too late short late notice to do anything i didn't know how the show was going to go anyway we told the band we're sorry we'll, we'll do like we'll see if we can get like some donations or something to get you guys to the next city the, sure. the kids from here like you know i think we paid them probably more than they would have made at the show personally yeah. like i just like you know it was really sick um it was really nice um, to see that. And so from that point in time, like I had it in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, this is not, it's not a permanent thing. We need to start like looking at some different avenues. Um, the other place that we had was Chizuko, which is this like dive bar also is a restaurant. Um, but they were like more of a bar. Like they really didn't want to like get too much into the show stuff. I think, you know, and they're running a restaurant. They're like so we small, could do some, small local we stuff. We could do some stuff sparingly, but like yeah. on a regular basis, it just wasn't going to happen. So, sure. so it's like, all right, you know, like obviously like we played there a couple of times and like we could like book it out far in advance and it'd be sick. And it was a great, it's a great place. It's just on a regular basis, you couldn't do it. So like I said, in the back of my head, I'm like, we need to find something new this isn't going to be here forever. And, uh, you know, I got word from one of the sound guys. He's just like, hey, uh, don't be surprised if he doesn't pay the, the bill this month. Oh, I'm like, man. really? And so I was just like, you know what? I'm kind of done. 
with the bailouts. Yeah. Like because we had done we had done several benefit shows at this point for the bar and shit, and I'm just like just you know trying to raise it, money and, it, and if you do stuff. it if you do it and and it's being disposed the right way, not a big deal. Right. But when you do it and it was being disposed in the way that it was, I was just like I'm not I'm not in the business for that. Like I'm not like here to like to like hold this dude's hand or whatever. Right, right, so right, for sure. We basically knew the power wasn't getting paid and we, we, you know, we saw that happen and we were just like, all right, well, shows aren't going to happen. We waited it out um, for a while. Um, and what, what, what year is this? This is like 2020? This is 2018. 2018, so 2000, okay. November 2018. Okay. Um, we tried to do a couple things elsewhere. Uh, we found this one bar or this one place. It was a smoothie place and had an awesome show. And I was like, I'm talking like, it wasn't hardcore, but I'm like, this is, I mean, we'll be able to do stuff here because the show was so fucking good. Um, the guy that was running it was kind of a lunatic. So, you know, I, I was like really patient with him. He would be like three or four days late to responding for things. And uh, when we finally did kind of agree on something, like, I was just like, okay, you know, like, here's this show. I also have something else coming up. It's a big one. And he's just like, oh, I can't cancel that. I, I can't do that. That's my open mic night. And I'm like, can can you not cancel it for one night? Because this is going to be, like, a really awesome show. And he goes, no, like, that's, like, why I'm here. And, like, I was just like, okay, like, if we're going to play by, like, other people's rules and shit, like, I'm just going to do this shit myself. And, uh, and this, is, this is, like, who took it over after like Jimmy is is are we talking about Jimmy? Who who, who? This is a different place completely. But yes, okay. Jimmy was the one that was doing it. Okay. Correct. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um yeah. Uh so after him, yeah, like found that juice bar. Okay, okay. Uh, didn't really right, work right. out. Didn't really work out. So then like that's what I was just like, and Chizuko wasn't gonna pan out. So it's like if we want to do shows, I'm gonna have to do this myself. All right. So I sat I sat down, I'm like, what's well, the worst thing that happens? And I and I looked at it and I'm like, okay. I book, I do this, I put some money into it, not a single person shows up for an entire year. I was like, I'm out this much money. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen, but I can live with that. Right. If, so, if worst possible scenario, it actually does happen. Yeah. I was like, that won't happen, but I can live with that. And when I, when I accepted that, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do this. And so I, I found a place, it was in a shopping center at this, uh, by a tattoo parlor it was like very much like not in the central area but i'm like i want it to be a venue first and foremost i want to be exactly like right. the shit that i grew up going to i want right. it to be a venue first and foremost i want it to be mixed genres i want it to be all ages and uh ultimately like i want it to be a place that's also not just a venue but a place that people can use it for rehearsal for studio for sure. there's many reasons that people would want to would would need a, a space like that specifically right. for music absolutely and so part like the the biggest reason i ended up kind of going nonprofit route was because i was just like you know this isn't this isn't robert's venue this is this is like a community space for everyone around here and so that's why I wanted it to be like that. And when I went nonprofit, what I didn't really expect was like the, the overwhelming like response for like people to say like I want to help. Right. So people would do like people would say like I'll run the door. Like you know like I like if you let me use if you let me use this for practice, I'll like where like I can't practice in my apartment. Like I'll run the door. Or if they're like you know like uh, you know 
you you let me use this for a studio here i'll let you borrow some mics so that's like a perfect, you know, like, that's a perfect way of like you know being able to not use but but take um c combine kind of the the needs of other people in the scene to to link up with the needs of yours and then kind of create this kind of symbiotic relationship of like okay yeah. you know hey we're building this together and and right and, and it was kind of like, an, like I said, it was a little bit of like, it was not super preemptive of me to think that that would happen. I just wanted, that's what I wanted to do. Like, I'm like, that's yeah. what this is for. Right. And it ended up being that, which was really great. And it ended up being, um, you know, this, this, this awesome, you know, really small spot where I could do shit my own way. And I didn't have to really like, you know, tiptoe around some of the other people and it ended up being great. You know, uh, we got like a lot of people, like just like, it was, it was a safe space. So it was very much like, um, you know, no, tra not transphobic, no homophobia, no racism, like anything like that. Like everyone knew that wasn't allowed. And, uh, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't partner up with anyone that would allow that to happen. Um, so it ended up kind of giving like another group of people who I've never met, you know, within the punk scene to feel really comfortable with doing stuff there. And it just, it, it really, like what it did was it really built the scene. Now, yeah. what it, what it really did was it, it, it created a real diehard culture. Like there was like, I was just like, I want to be like the place where a band has their first show. Like that's like yeah. the biggest thing for me. And, um, we, we created, you know, this community of people and it was like, like I said, it was a lot of diehards. So the next step obviously was like, okay, so now we have this diehard scene. We have this community. Let's get the, let's get the fringe people in here. So how do we do that? And so on and so forth. But then, so I started looking into, you know, getting a bar. Like I was just like, let, like if I, if I can get downtown and in a bar. Okay. Like okay. Working okay. Okay. So, 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 so wait, 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 back, back up just a little bit. It's like, it's like for anyone, anyone that's like kind of interested in like doing this because, because I remember when, when you were taking this venture, like in the back of my mind, I was like, should I like take out a loan and like open up a venue yeah. in Tallahassee? Because, because it was really one of those things that I think like you, in your mind, I th I think that like the the unknown is like the um it's so much bigger than it really is. Yeah, you, you know definitely. it's like it's like you 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 think these things are so much more complicated than they really are. So like you, you know for for you to open night moves, if you can just give someone like a rundown of like what all it really took, like like you you know I mean you don't have to go into like exact sure. finances or anything like that, but 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 you you know obviously you, you need a little bit of capital. Yep. But but. But what 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 else did you feel like you needed to do? I guess do? so. Like that, probably the biggest things that I needed um, right off the bat was you know first month and security deposit. That was you know that's pretty easy for most people. So so I so needed, ballpark ballpark rent for a venue. What's that going to be? Ballpark rent. So that that venue was eight hundred dollars a month. So not so, not crazy. Was, like not not anything no, like more no. than your rent at home or something. Yeah. Like that. So about sixteen hundred dollars. Okay. Uh, I needed to get the licensing, which was, you know, probably three or 400. It was a little bit more expensive for a nonprofit. Uh, just that, like, I, I wanted to, like, absolve myself from liability if someone got hurt. True. So, like, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, if, absolutely. If, if, if I have this venue and I'm doing it for the community and some kid, you know, gets knocked out at a hardcore show and they want to sue me personally because of it, 
I didn't want that. I'm like, I, 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 that's not what I'm in this for. Like you can sue, you can sue the business, but you can't sue me for sure. And if they see the business, they're not going to get very much. For so, sure. Um, and then, uh, I had to start, you know, I got an insurance, you know, a lot of this stuff is like stuff that you could probably get away with not doing. Uh, it would just be kind of a don't ask, don't tell type thing. Don't, don't like right. quote me on that anywhere. But yes, you probably could. I just wanted to do it like the most like efficient legal way as I possibly could. I guess the other thing I needed was, oh, and then, you know, sound equipment. But that was kind of another weird thing where it was like, I ventured out there to like look for it. And because people heard what was happening, they're like, he's doing this like out of like, you know, you know, the remnants of the handlebar. People started just kind of like giving me stuff. Absolutely. And they, and they started, or giving me good deals on it at least. Like they would basically be like, all right, uh, you know, I think for my entire sound system, with you know, some of it did or didn't work. Some of it was old, and I had to replace it. But entire sound system, probably like, you know, like I said, I got lucky, but definitely less than a thousand dollars. The and stage so materials at this point in time were not where Lubber was at its highest, so it was probably three hundred. Um, and then, um, you know, like I said, I had some people kind of helped me professionally with that. So it, I didn't have to pay like extra for that. But see, really nice. but see, all you're doing is using your, I feel like you're, you're just using your resources that are like your friends. Now it's, it's not even, you're not really even using them in a say it's like you're, you're kind of involving them and, 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 you know, for, for, for anyone well, they that's... could look at it too and be like, "This is all, like I did this." You yeah, know? right. It's like it's exactly for the scene, and it's like right. a, it's like a feel good, give back type thing. Absolutely. And so you know, like you know, like I said, like that kind of happened. I got really inspired by it. Like I, I really got into like the nonprofit thing. Like I was trying to find a way to like get involved with like that community, and it's it's a, it's a whole different world. It's a lot of ass kissing and like a lot of other stuff like that. It's good grants and stuff. And uh, I, I didn't get into it as much as I could have because of like, you know, you know, the pandemic and shit. But like that was just one of those things where I was just like, I could I could take this formula and put it in other cities and give it, you know, have it so that other people around can use it. And that's ultimately what I really wanted to do. But then, yeah, like the, the pandemic hit and kind of well, so 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 we'll kind, of, kind of explain that a little bit. It's like, OK, OK, you really wanted to do something like that and 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 start that kind of trickle down effect in these cities. It's like, OK, so so it, 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 if you are a person in in a city and you're, you know, you, you let, let's say that you're an individual that has a a, a uh, let's just call it a normal job. You work a nine to five, you make mm -hmm. a salary, you, you know, and, and you feel like you are not into that involved in the hardcore scene in your city anymore. Something you can be as, as shitty as it sounds, you can be that bank. And, 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 yeah. and, and, and that is so important for a scene sometimes is to be able to have kind of that capital to be able to put up front, to be able to um, go ahead and boost your scene, and 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 not in the sense of like a, a, a Jeff Bezos sense or anything, but just more of a sense of like, okay, like literally, like all we need right now is just to be able to cover the sound guy and be able to cover this venue. 
you can you you can be that person like like and and i guess that's that's kind of what i felt like you you know over the years of of being in a smaller city of finding out what roles for certain people to be for and it's like okay you you look at fya and just to give that for an example it's like bob bob knew for in his certain position, he knew the people that he needed, or he knew he knew he needed to pull on certain resources to be able to make the festival successful. Yeah. And so it's like it's like getting getting those people in certain scenes in that mindset of like, okay, you know, this is what you need to do. You you know, this is how you you're faced with the problem. This is how you need to achieve it and stuff like that. All the information that you're giving and stuff like that is so monumental and so just paramount in 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 this time of of you you know having to navigate through those waters and stuff and so it's really cool that like you know sometimes it's like you might not be like the vocalist that everyone's loving but like hey if 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 you got a little bit of money and and you see a need somewhere maybe hit up that person because that person might need just a little bit of help and and not saying that they're gonna fuck you over and you're just gonna loan all this money out and they're gonna just you know run with it like that's not you know what i'm what i'm saying it's like mm-hmm. it's like you, you know find those people that that are are trying to integrate themselves into your trying to help right yeah exactly, exactly. and so and so like if, they, if they reached out to, to help you it's not for no reason you know like they actually want to and some right. people may not be you know they might they may not be talented with uh you know you know building a sound system they may not be right right loaded financially to where they could help right. they have some sort of skill that can help off like help you in a way where you don't really have to i mean even i mean for me the biggest resource for for that i didn't have that i really needed the biggest help with was just time like right you know i i had a job and i worked you know i worked nine to five um pretty much every day and then i'd come back and i'd work on the venue and when other people would donate their time to to me, like where they would basically be, you know, help me paint or help me, um, you know, do sound or, or, or whatever. So that the mission could carry on. It's just like that, that was, that was huge. And it, right. it really helped me do it. And, uh, you know, it, like I said, you know, the pandemic really did kind of put a, a, a damper on things as much as, you know, I, I, I hate that, but at the same time, like it, it, time wasn't right. Like if I, if I had renewed the lease and just like, I, I would still be doing it, like paying the lease for nothing right now. And, right. and that makes me feel better about the decision. Right. So, um, but so, ultimately so, like, go ahead. So, so, so yeah, I mean, so, so, so night moves just, just for anyone listening, it's like night moves provided this, this venue in a time that the handlebar could not, in Pensacola, and then you you, you kind of had to make a decision, kind of when the pandemic was rolling around, of like, okay, um, well, what am I going to do right now? And so, yeah, so, so 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 what happens with that? So yeah, like uh, right before the pandemic, I start kind of fielding like a couple different alternatives for where I want to be, you know, because I was just like, this can't exist, like this isn't a good enough business model for this specifically. Right. Um, what this is doing is it's creating a community and everything, but financially it just wasn't there. And, uh, and it just wasn't the right, you know, decision, you know, moving forward. So I 
I basically started looking for how to, you know, bring this back um, towards downtown. And at that point in time, I had found out that the candle bar was repurchased uh, about two years later, and the building was just being sat on. And I just, I, I again, I went full salesman, and I literally cold called her. And I was just like, hey, so I heard you have, I know you don't know me, but I heard you've acquired this building. It must mean something to you if you haven't sold it yet. Um, I would... I, I would like to sit down with you. And she and New Year's New Year's Day, she took the time to like sit down with me and we talked about it and met them for the first time. And I'm just like, this is what I, I started a venue with my own with my own money because the handlebar meant that much. You bought this venue or you bought this bar and haven't sold it yet because it meant that much to you. Like there's something here that we really need to you know, I we really need to try to make something work because I, I think it's I think it's a match made in heaven. And uh, so this was January, like I said, and if things were progressing to where it was basically like I was just going to move the venue to the handlebar, and it was going to be awesome, and I was just going to rent from them, and it was going to be downtown, and I'd figure out the bar shit uh, if if it all worked out. But then March comes around, you know what happens there. And uh, we, we, we've stayed in com communication, um, and we still have some interest in moving forward and everything. So, um, it, you know, construction's underway. Uh, it looks to me like, uh, you know, the bar will be open again. Uh, it won't be the same place that we grew up going to and shit. But it's kind of maybe a better, nicer right? bathroom. Like, I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't want it to be like, I mean, you take, like, I mean, basically what we, we said, and we, we all have the same agreement. We're like, Here's our list of stuff that we loved about the handlebar. Here's all the stuff that we hated. I'm like, great. Here's all the stuff that we loved that I've already been doing at night moves. Here's all the stuff that we hated. All we have to do is fix that, and we're we're rocking and rolling. Like That's everything, right. you know, will come full circle. And um, yeah, so. That's awesome, man. It's, it's so cool to hear. And and just like in a time like right now, you know, where it is just weird, especially being in Florida and trying to navigate the water, the shows and just, you know, being kind of, and just like, like I said, kind of this weird, just middle ground of not knowing what's right and what's wrong. You know, I feel like the horizon is just so positive and I'm just so looking forward to kind of the, um, the next stage and the next chapter in Pensacola and just with, uh, just with kind of the handlebar and you and just with everything that's happening, I, I, it gets me so excited. It gets me so pumped on kind of just yeah. the scene in Florida in general. And even though in this crappy time that we're in, it's, it's so cool to know that FYA is coming here and, and you know, that we are going to have it and that, you know, it's like there's cool stuff coming out of Florida. Um, I know Cedar Payne released something soon. I or recently I know that um, Burning Strong we played a track off of earlier called Consequence. They're coming out with a split um, soon with this band called Qualifier that will be put on um, by From Within Records that will be coming out later this year, hopefully. Um, and then there's just some other stuff popping out in Florida that's just really cool. So. I'm, uh, I'm really stoked to kind of 
just catch up with you, Rob, as an old friend and just uh, a bandmate and just uh, an influencer in general. You've been such an inspiration to me. You've been a huge inspiration to other people um, throughout the nation. And uh, I'm just so stoked to see what comes from Pensacola, Florida, and what comes from Burning Strong, Cradle Grave, um, all the stuff that you're a part of. And um, I'm just so stoked that you got to join us today on this, man. Yeah, thank you, man. It was great. I think, uh, you know, first time ever doing it. it it seems pretty natural to me so i think i think you'll you'll be doing this for a while and uh i really appreciate that you uh you know let me be the first guest and kind of promo burning strong with the new stuff so um I, yeah awesome thank you so much man. Right now, right now. Right now.